to Direct Impact, where we discuss the various ways our mental health and quality of life intersect. I'm your host, Andrea Epstein, licensed professional counselor, master's addictions counselor, and certified sex therapist. Think of our time together as focused self-reflection mixed with insight, passion, and empowerment. Now, take a deep breath. Now let's dive in and see what impacts you today. Hello to some of my favorite people. So glad you could be with us today for this podcast. I am talking to you today about compulsivity, impulsivity, and a little bit about addiction. And a lot of these terms are used interchangeably. I'm going to try to give a little bit of clarity as to the difference, but a lot of them, or all of them really, have to do with the frontal lobe not engaging the way that it would, we'll say, in a neurotypical individual. And oftentimes this is associated with some kind of dopamine deficiency. So that means that the atypical brain might receive less dopamine to kind of get them into action. And so they seek out other actions or ways to kind of like get into positive emotion or to act out or to avoid or things of that nature. So compulsivity is a tendency to repeat the same often purposeless act, which are sometimes associated with consequences. So negative consequences, that's compulsivity, and it is more associated with a behavior. Okay, impulsivity is oftentimes impulse control is associated with the behavior that comes out of the impulsivity. But it's just a little bit different. Now, compulsivity and addiction, very, very similar and used interchangeably. So the definition I like, pretty sure it belongs to somebody else, but I like to use the definition that it is addiction is a pathological relationship to any mood altering behavior that has life damaging consequences. So you can see how it's very similar to compulsivity because it's about continuing an unwanted, oftentimes purposeless behavior and not being able, and this is where this impulsivity comes in, not being able to really weigh the consequences before you act. So, and that's when I talked about the frontal lobe not really being part of that loop. It's almost like it is short-circuited and it's not like, hmm, I could do this, but would that hurt the other person? What potential consequences or negative emotion might come out of this behavior? None of that weighs in before the behavior actually occurs. So that's a little bit of the overlap. And I just wanted to give you a tidbit of clarity. I hope that's what I just provided was a little bit, excuse me, of clarity. (laughs) But again, compulsivity is that unwanted behavior. All right. So addiction, again, pathological relationship with any mood altering behavior that has life damaging consequences. Let's talk about compulsivity and those unwanted behaviors. So oftentimes when we talk about compulsivity, we are talking about unwanted behaviors such as sexual and what we call unwanted sexual acting out behavior because the person participating in it wants nothing to do with it. They continue 
with the same behavior despite the consequences. And they definitely find themselves in that pattern of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, but they absolutely don't want it. They don't want what they're seeking. And so unwanted sexual behavior, gambling is another compulsive behavior, unwanted compulsive behavior. We talk about compulsivity when we talk about obsessive compulsive disorder. So there is first the obsession and you can just have the obsession without the behavior. But when we say obsessive compulsive disorder, there is first the obsession and then the behavior to try to alleviate the amount of anxiety caused by the obsession itself. And that's what's going on with all of these unwanted acting out behaviors. With all this compulsivity, there is a genuine attempt to alleviate the amount of anxiety caused by the obsessive thinking. Okay, or some of the internal distress going on that's also embodied. So there's an attempt to try to alleviate this in the acting out itself. So what are some other compulsive behaviors? Some that just jumped to my head is I mentioned obsessive compulsive OCD shopping is another one that I see quite often. I see eating disorders quite often and Any type of eating disorder, whether it is more of a restrictive type like anorexia or more of a binge purge type or cycle like in bulimia or whether it's orthexia, there is first that obsession usually around food or body that leads to a compulsive behavior. So they also fall into this category. Other compulsive or acting out behaviors would include gaming pornography, codependency. Codependency is where you become dependent on another human being to tell you how to feel, how to act, how to react, what kind of mood you're going to be in that day, things of that nature. So when you become obsessed with that other individual and what they are going to do or what they are not going to do, you then jump into action in a very compulsive way to try to mitigate your own stress. So codependency, while it seems like, you know, you're quite the martyr and sacrificing all of these things for this other individual, in reality, what you're really trying to do is just alleviate your own stress and inner turmoil. So codependency is another one that I feel like is very often ignored. And I just want to remind you that if you feel like you are in a relationship with somebody who has another compulsive disorder or addiction, oftentimes you will find yourself stepping into that codependent role. So be mindful of that. That is also a compulsive behavior. That is also addiction. That is also a disease. Other compulsive behaviors include rage addiction, Some people talk about impulsivity and anger. Well, it goes deeper than that, because when you have been acting out with anger for long periods of time in an attempt to decrease your stress, when you, you know, 
try to hold on to all of these injustices, injustices from the world, injustice from this system, injustice from this person. And you hold on to that to a moment where you feel like you're going to explode so that now you can really rationalize having that free rage. Yes, that is rage addiction that goes to the place where, yes, this is a compulsive behavior that you have learned to use to alleviate your own stress. And that type of behavior really impacts not just the self, but others around them. All of these compulsive behaviors do. They don't just impact you. They directly impact everybody around you, everybody who cares about you at all or has to come into contact with you. Other compulsivities might include uh, cutting, self-mutilization of any type like trichotillinamia where you're pulling your hair out might be your eyebrows, might be your whiskers, might be your hair. But any type of self-mutilization, it can be even just biting your nails down to the nubs. But that type of behavior becomes very compulsive. You're doing it without really that frontal lobe clicking in without thinking about the pain and the consequences and what is going to happen when you continue in this behavior to try to alleviate your stress. Overeating. It's a very common one. I hear it all of the time. Mindless eating, eating to mood alter, eating to just numb out. Sexual anorexia, not just sexual compulsivity and acting out and unwanted sexual behavior. Sexual anorexia is a compulsion. It is the attempt to alleviate stress and fears and intimacy issues by avoiding sex altogether. All of these things fall into that category. Now, oftentimes these behaviors can be tipped off through genetics. So if you have a family history of drug addiction, alcoholism, or any of these behavioral addictions, I mean, you have a little bit of, or a big bit, (laughs) of genetic predisposition. So it's good to be aware of that, especially if you're a child and you haven't really engaged in too many of these behaviors for too long. You want to go ahead and get in front of that. But for the adults, just know 100%, you were kind of set up for this, but you're not a victim. It's still your responsibility to overcome it, to acknowledge it. Nobody gets to choose their genetics. We don't get to choose that, but it's our responsibility to overcome it. So it could be the result of traumas, big T traumas, little T traumas, genetics, or just prolonged psychological stress or prolonged or continued misuse of any chemicals any type of chemical. Yes, that includes caffeine. (laughs) Yes, that includes all of the things that we ingest. And I feel like one of the top addictions in that category is sugar. So we really do need to look specifically at what we are ingesting because I see America, (laughs) I see our nation becoming very sugar dependent, very caffeine dependent. And that will only exacerbate these things that might you you might already be predisposed for. So adding these things to it is not helping. All right. So let's just be mindful of that. Let's be aware, not judging, not judging at all. I'm one of you. (laughs) Not judging. Don't judge yourself. But let's just be mindful of these things. Let's just be aware. And if you feel like you are now in a position of having a pathological relationship with any of these behaviors, which means pathological, like 
I keep coming back to it. I had a conversation with somebody who was marijuana dependent some years ago. And, you know, he'd been in jail like three times, um, but kept saying, you know, (laughs) it wasn't a problem. And I said, well, you know, if your girlfriend sent you to jail three times, would you still be with her? And he was like, no, I would have gotten rid of her a long time ago. Clearly, she's bad for you. Jail three times, please. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm pathological relationship to a mood altering behavior or chemical that has life damaging consequences. Because of his denial, he couldn't see that that pathological relationship to marijuana was driving him down a road that he didn't really want to continue to go down. So that's what the pathological relationship I'm talking about. So if you feel like you are in that type of relationship where you're not able to see things clearly, where you feel like your priorities have been kind of turned upside down and you can kind of see way down the road and you're like, all right, I don't like where this is headed. I think I'd really like to take this opportunity to encourage you to reach out reach out to somebody who specializes in compulsivity, um, not just compulsivity, but addictions and addiction recovery and that whole process. Look up a 12-step program. Just go show up. Just go sit in there for a few months. (laughs) Just listen. You don't even have to talk. Oftentimes early on, you're just going to be thinking about how you are not like anybody in there. That's pretty common at first when you're in denial. But just Consider that if you feel like you are continuing to act out despite the negative consequences that this is bringing to your life, go sit in a meeting, go log into a virtual meeting, look up on Psychology Today, a therapist that specializes in the in this type of dis-ease and disease and impulsivity and compulsivity and addiction. They want to sit with you. They want to help you fight this. We know that you can overcome it. Absolutely know it. It's my favorite thing about working in the field of addictions is that it is so treatable. It is so treatable. It 100% does not have to be chronic. (laughs) It doesn't. You can move into recovery and you can stay there. So just consider that. Just something to think about this week. If you are struggling or if you just know somebody who's struggling, just, you know, share this podcast with them. Share this episode. Like it. Give us some reviews. Send it to a friend. Send it to a coworker. Send it to a family member. And as always, guys, just thanks for showing up. And we're going to keep showing up for you. So if you like it, please review it and share it. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Heads Up Guidance Services or HUGS is a nonprofit organization dedicated to removing all barriers to quality professional counseling services. At HUGS, all motivated individuals, couples, and families can access the support they need and deserve in an outpatient setting. They recruit dedicated, compassionate, and socially conscious professionals who volunteer their time and specialized skill pro bono. HUGS doesn't work with third-party payers, insurance companies, or government dollars. Rather, they operate entirely with the support of people just like you. To help support HUGS, visit www.headsupsavannah.org. Does anyone else feel like they just earned an extra brain wrinkle? Do you feel like that went by way too fast and just cannot wait till the next episode? Then leave a review and share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a coworker, or whomever, because your valued feedback makes a direct impact.
Thank you for dropping in. Snaps to you because you have made a direct impact by listening to this podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media and stay tuned every week for a new episode of Direct Impact with Andrea Epting. Direct Impact leaves you hungry for more.